There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Sport Dog is the most recognized brand in the hunting dog training industry. The Sport Dog promise to consumers is simple. Gear the way you'd design it. Every product Sport Dog builds is meticulously designed and rigorously tested in the field, ensuring it withstands the toughest conditions you and your dog may encounter. I've used that Sport Dog collar in different temperatures. It just doesn't stop working. Get 20% off your first purchase using code Meat Eater. So go to www.sportdog.com slash meat eater to learn more. This is the Meat Eater Podcast coming at you shirtless, severely bug bitten, and in my case, underwearless. We hunt the Meat Eater Podcast. You can't predict anything. What's up, guys? How's everybody doing tonight? Austin, Texas. Is Ryan from Yeti out there? Ryan Cedars? Yeah. There he is. He's a, he's quiet. Watch watch how slickly I uh, I, I do this. Um, hope he's enjoying those Schnee's boots. Oh, <laughs> sponsor alert! <laughs> Man, uh, this is our third of our, of our live tour. This is the third show we've done in Texas. Yet, yet that yet. must mean we really love Texas. Must mean you'd think. Yet people always write in, like there was a question I had that I was going to look at tonight, and it begins like, I know y'all hate Texas. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to the question, just to show how much we love Texas, we'll get to it. But Texas, like, I feel as though Texas is as proud as uh, y'all are, with the, you know, not messing with Texas, and um, Davy Crockett and everything. There's, there's, there's like, uh, Texans have a persecution complex. <laughs> I was always there, a big peewee oh, fan oh my god <laughs> there's a there's a there's a persecution complex here like how much yeah Giannis, how much have we we film here all the I feel like we, we practically live in Texas practically yeah well we've at least done a uh pig trapping episode here you were down here uh, hunting Outad and Havelina once. Yep, twice. What else have we done? 
Cranes. Cranes came down. Hunted quail, not filming. Hunted jackrabbits while hunting quail, not filming. We're hunting turkeys tomorrow, not filming. One time, my wife was offered a job in Texas. We went to do our little checkout to take a look at it. We went, the, the people who were trying to hire her had us to dinner. I was going to stand up and say, like, she'll take it. Because <laughs> we've been driving over bridges, and every bridge I looked off, it looked like a good place to fish. I started calling my kid, started calling my kid Jimmy Catfish just in anticipation of moving here. <laughs> my wife didn't take the job, so I almost was a damn Texan. I think that for people in Texas to stop thinking that we don't like Texas, I'd have to show up down here with elephant skin boots and shelled corn coming yeah. out of my pockets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then it'd be like... There's a Texan. Do you know? Uh, <laughs> do you guys know that that your state has no regulations on owning a tiger? <laughs> Cal, Cal was just telling me that there are estimates out there that there that Texas has the second largest tiger population next to India. <laughs> the, so many cats that you guys can't even keep track of them. <laughs> All you can find are estimates on the tiger population in Texas. We, we, the estimates were like two to 5,000. Yeah. Oh, a few yeah, they, thousand. They know with greater certainty how many grizzly bears live in Montana than they do how many tigers Texans, <laughs> how many tigers Texans have as pets, and the numbers are yeah. comparable. Uh, people down here are like, yeah, that's normal, move on. The, the question from the dude that, that, that those we all hate, Texas, is uh, he was saying, any tips for keeping his binos from fogging up in the cold? He says it's been in the teens lately in North Texas. Could that possibly be true? It's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's true. It, I mean, he probably thinks teens, he's thinking it's like 45 degrees. Yeah. <laughs> like, boy, it's been in the teens. When I first moved to Austin, uh, I was driving down the highway, and it was like 30 degrees. And uh, there was no cars. I was like, oh, I thought there was traffic. I got to work, and they were like, uh, hey, man, how'd you get here? I was like, well, I just I drove on the road. They're like, well, it's really cold. There could have been ice. I was like, well, <laughs> like, well uh, turns out there wasn't any. And they're like, I was like, so what's up? I was like, well, it's a two-hour delay. The kids can't go to school. They don't have jackets. They can't sit in the bus stops. Like, come on, man. Come on, Texas. Uh, in the case that it does get cold down here, keeping your binos from fogging up, tell them, Yanni. Because the camera guys are good at this. Yeah, well, you don't want to usually... Our cameras always fog up when we go from um, cold to warm. So you just don't want to, like, I don't know, don't put your binos so close to your body, maybe, and don't breathe into no, them. Keep That's them probably warm. Keep them warm close to your body. Cold to warm. Mo yeah. used to take a cigarette lighter and heat up his lenses. Which I've seen gone... Terribly wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Remember in British yeah, Columbia? We yeah, heating like $10,000 lenses with a, with, a, with a pocket rocket. Yeah, for you aspiring filmmakers, don't go to British Columbia. It's going <laughs> to ding your budget. Uh, quick note. Who's doing anything on Friday? On Friday, if you don't have plans, we're doing a screening of our documentary, Stars in the Sky. The money, well, it's, at the te it's at the Yeti flagship store. The money goes to benefit Texas Parks and Wildlife. Now, specifically, Desert Bighorn Sheep. Specifically, Desert Bighorns. So there's still some, there's still some tickets left. So while we're sitting here, I'd already hit, I would normally, if I saw you messing with your phone under normal circumstances, I would hate you. But if you're messing with your phone, I'll just assume that feller is buying a ticket. 
It's 100 bucks. It's 8 p.m. on Friday right here in Austin, Texas. You get an exclusive event-only Tumblr. You get a copy of the Meat Eater Fishing Game Cookbook, which is available everywhere books are sold. There's a, you're already making money by going to this thing. <laughs> Go to the Meat Eater Facebook page under events and get yourself a ticket. 100 bucks goes to a good cause. Now, uh, this is going to sound like I'm dogging on Texas. I am not messing with Texas. I have read the bumper stickers. But you're, this state has a great website where you can go and read about all the things Texas game wardens are up to, and it's become my favorite way to kill time. <laughs> That's good. Some people like go on Facebook when they're just trying to have a brain-dead moment. I go and read about Texas game wardens. Anybody here from Matagorda County? Am I saying it right? Yes. Okay, game warden gets a call about a deer lying on the side of the road with a crossbow bolt sticking out of it. He goes over there to have a look-see. 50 yards down the road, he finds a guy asleep in a truck. <laughs> He's got his seatbelt on, his window's open, sound asleep. He's got a loaded crossbow with the safety off on the driver's seat and a loaded crossbow with the safety on on the back seat. <laughs> uh, a quick glance confirms that his bolts next to his sleeping body match those in the deer that he shot and then took a nap down the road. In Henderson County, Game Warden gets called by a guy out jacklighting deer. Again, this fella has a loaded crossbow and multiple flashlights in his truck, but he's like the opposite of asleep because he's also got a stash of meth. <laughs> in, in Houston County, a warden gets a call about some people doing some illegal hunting. He goes over to the house where it's supposed to take a place and, and a, he sees a woman book into a house and she's messing around with an ice chest upon which, I'm assuming this is not a Yeti, you don't understand why. Sitting upon said ice chest is a six point box head, but she's already run off into the house. He cuts around to the backyard, there's another box head in the backyard, lying not far from the box head is her prison ID card. <laughs> he's able to look her up she's got two felony arrest warrants they bring in a tracking dog and find her under a pile of her own dirty laundry which is quote wedged between the washer and dryer when your laundry <laughs> when your laundry has become quote wedged somewhere it's different than like in a basket uh you know because I don't want to dog on Texas. I'm on a dog on my home state for a minute because I know I'm reading like bad, like the, the sensitivities here run high. So a dude in Michigan, this just, just, this just happened. A dude in Michigan goes into a pet store called I Love My Pets and asks some questions about the snakes that are for sale. They leave him to be. He then on a security camera puts a four-foot ball python down his pants. <laughs> spends four minutes in the store with the snake in his pants. There are so many jokes you can make so easily that I'm not going to make them. It's, it's harder to not make the jokes than it is to make the jokes. Walks around, buys a rat for six bucks. He's <laughs> 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 like, there's some things I just don't put down my pants. He uh, buys a rat for six bucks, walks out. They still haven't found the guy. In Texas, he'd be dead by now. Yeah. Or it's like Texas wardens are either good or Michigan criminals are good. 
But the Texas Game Warden articles always end with the suspect apprehended, and this guy was not apprehended. Unrelated to all this, uh, I'm walking down the road there, Dan, I pass. There's a waffle shop in downtown Bozeman. What's the, there's like a famous breakfast place there. And they got a sign out that says, we love hashtags, like social media hashtags. Mm-hmm. It says, we love hashtags because they look like waffles. And that got me to thinking, have they thought the Me Too movement was people who are just also hungry for breakfast? <laughs> I was sure this is where the podcast was going to go off the rails and... Terrible. Um, I was right. We, uh, we, re- we recently lay out the tuna situation, Giannis, if you don't tuna? mind. Tuna? How we've been talking about the tuna, the expensive tuna, and how you misled everyone and had to do a correction. Oh, right, right, right. right. I told everybody that uh, recently the, a tuna was bought for, like, a, was it a million plus or two million Over plus? Million dollars, and that, yeah. that happened every year. And it was sort of a, it was bad because it put a price on this fish that is going to be over fish if people are getting $2 million for these fish all the time. But it turns out that that first fish always just gets that kind of money in a um, ceremonial buying. And um, as it's been put numerous times now, it's a dick swinging contest um, in Japan for the, the dudes that roll in and spend the most money on the first tuna that comes to market of the season. So the next one after that, I, don't, I forget what the numbers are. Goes for are. normal prices. Yeah. I wrote pecker swinging in my notes. Oh. Because <laughs> I'd heard from several people who were bringing youngsters. Are we bringing this back to waffles? We're bringing youngsters point? tonight. <laughs> reason I bring the tuna thing up is someone pointed out that there's a similar thing that happens at youth livestock auctions where there are ceremonial purchases. And just recently in Houston, right here in the great state of Texas, they had a youth livestock auction where they shattered every single junior livestock auction world record in 10 days. Some kid gets $183,000 for a damn goat. (laughs) A turkey goes for 190K. Must have been a high fence. (laughs) A turkey goes for 190K. Some kid gets a broiler chicken she gets $220,000, $220,000 for her broiler chicken. The grand champion steer, $625,000. The guy that wrote in about this says, and this is why Texas is the greatest state. <laughs> I looked through the photos from the event where you can look at all the animals and the people behind it. And if you think that there were not a, a lot of people wearing Stetson hats and black sport coats, you'd be wrong. <laughs> you'd be wrong for thinking that. Um, I had, we had an interesting note come in. She doesn't identify state and I can't identify her. In fact, she, be, she begins the note by, she says, before you read this email, I'm, I'm quoting, she even put an asterisk next to it, which I think is for emphasis. She says, before you read this email, note that if anyone reads this to the public in any form or fashion and mentions my name, I will hunt you down and gut you like a fish. She Go on. Explain. She's a mother of two. What's that? Go on. She's a mother of two. We were recently talking about battle scars, like what's the worst outdoor scar you had? And she said that it was pitiful. We had pitiful scars. She was big into sports and she was big into hunting. And she's 16 years old. She gets back from volleyball practice, which ran late. And she grabs her 20-gauge shotgun and runs out into the family's Milo field to hunt doves. It does, doesn't change her clothes, so she's got her volleyball clothes on. 
and she has to run a half mile, then jump a fence. And she usually kind of like climbs over the fence, but she, she's in such a hurry, she tries to half climb and half jump and gets on the barb or gets up on the wire and the post tips and she falls on it and, get, and, and lands on the ground and feels blood running all over her stomach and looks up and she's gashed her nipple horribly and passes out. So she wakes up a while later, she's 16 years old, looks and she realizes that the barb is cut through her shirt, through her sports bra, opened her nipple up. She lives in a town of 2,000 people. She's real nervous about word spreading. Goes down, her best friend's dad's the doctor. He puts eight stitches in it. She goes on to say that her husband called that one Scarface. (laughs) Which, she signs it, she signs it secretively. But, um, (laughs) I like the story, but then I got to the part where my husband called, past tense, and then now I spend all my time worrying about what happened to the husband. He never got caught that snake in his pants. Oh, it could mean three things. It would mean they split up, he passed, or he called that one Scarface, but then never called it that again. (laughs) (laughs) Gutted like a fish. Gutted like the fish. I like that gal. Yeah. If I was on a first date and got that story thrown at me, I'd be like, buddy, I'm in. (laughs) <laughs> oh, yeah. I would not, like, hold that as a negative. No. no. I do, do got to tell you that I had several people be like, oh, boy, your guys' scar stories are kind of sissy. Oh, you know? but we didn't have very, any good ones. But I, I was like, well, yeah. But the point is, it's like experience and, you know, who is better to follow into the woods? Like an old, wise person with no scars? Or an old, wise person with lots of scars. Yeah. Right? Probably the person with no scars. Yeah, if you said, um, so I followed this horribly scarred man into the woods. (laughs) (laughs) Should have seen his nipples. (laughs) (laughs) Let me tell you about the other nipple. Said, trust me, I know the way. Back, uh, back to Michigan, just, just to put an uh, issue to bed. I talked a lot about, so I grew up in Twin Lake, Michigan, and down the road from us, you had to take, i trying to think what road, down Duff Road, Duff turned dirt, and you go down the dirt, and there's Twin Lake Gun Club. And I was talking about how, if I'm not mistaken, you know when you get into the foggy recesses of your memory, like the things you kind of feel like you remember, but you can't tell if you just heard it or remembered it? And I was saying, I feel as though when I was a youngster, they would stake like tie up a turkey behind a pile of dirt and contestants this sounds horrible contestants would shoot at the turkey and whoever hit the turkey brought home and ate it but then i was like that can't be true i must be misremembering my buddy craig christensen uh wrote in he goes nope you are not mistaken he says my dad took one of those turkeys home that he shot, and he remembers his dad had a 2506, and he used it for all these tournaments that were at the gun club down the road from my house. He says, not only did they have a thing where they would stake a turkey out and shoot at it, they would hang dynamite from string <laughs> and shoot at that. And that was called a dynamite shoot, <laughs> not to be confused with a turkey shoot. Then they had a burger shoot, he was saying. In a burger shoot, you didn't shoot burger, but you shot a target in one burger. This is like the end of nature would be that you shoot a target and win ground beef. 
<laughs> um, he goes on to say that his old man swapped that 2506 for a, quote, dinky wooden boat, and that he's still pissed at him. <laughs> uh, last bit of Michigan news, uh, you know, the Michigan hello, which someone, <laughs> the middle finger, which someone, uh, who was it that describes it as the finger of fellowship? <laughs> so he's talking about, in his area, it gets thrown, it gets thrown so much as a hello that it's now regarded as the finger of fellowship and is not a... Yeah, and that dude was from, like, North Dakota or Nebraska, like not even close to Michigan. Yeah, but he felt as though... Yeah, I just realized I gave 300, from, 300 people from Texas a finger just now, and they're probably really <laughs> pissed at me. And, and not one... Everybody's like, oh, that, oh, guy's, that, guy, that yeah. nice bearded young gentleman just said hello. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> uh, that hipster on the end said yeah. hello. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> uh, A mission. <laughs> no. I don't want it. I don't want it. Nope. A Michigan woman just tested her constitutional right to throw the Michigan hello, uh, which is way off topic for us because we tend to focus on wildlife and fishing and whatnot, but uh, becomes interesting because it's interesting to me. She gets pulled over by a policeman for speeding, and he writes her up for a lesser violation. Okay, so whatever, you, whatever that is, less than speeding. And you're sure it was for speeding? She, she got was, pulled over for speeding. She did. So he was being a nice guy. He's being nice. He's like, I'm going to let you off for whatever, whatever. What do they call it? I don't know. Let's just say kind of speeding. She gets cited for kind of speeding. speeding. She, I think they it said the a non-moving violation is what the article That's said. what it said. A non-moving violation. That doesn't really help explain Wish we had a traffic cop here. Like a there you go. All right. We'll go with that. There you go. Now they, we're hang on you, track. they hang you for that in Texas. <laughs> but in Michigan... But you do get, get a bumper sticker <laughs> and a T-shirt and a button. In Michigan, uh, he, he writes her the thing, and then they finish, and so she's got a lesser thing. And she decides to, as she drives off, give him a Michigan hello or perhaps a Michigan goodbye. Yes. So he then re-pulls her over, re-pulls her over, and then gives her the speeding ticket. She appeals this to a federal appeals court, and they rule that she has a constitutional right to give an officer a Michigan hello if she feels like it. I don't know how I feel about this. I feel real good about it. You feel good about it? You do? My yeah. demeanor, when I get pulled over, my demeanor is be like, I, I start out by being, I am so sorry. <laughs> I am so sorry. I'm like, not saying I'm demeanor. giving any cops a finger. I just want the right to do that if ever I feel the need. Yeah, it, like, it's like, um, it's not one of those things that gives me patriotic stirrings, but <laughs> it's one of those things where I recognize, I, I can recognize. I rec it's nice to live in a place, I guess it'd be like, it's nice to live in a place where, if you so desire, despite your upbringing, to say hello in that fashion to an officer of the peace, you would be theoretically be allowed to do so. So you're kind of celebrating this lady on one hand, and then on the other, you're like, oh my gosh, officer, I am so sorry. You're correct. <laughs> oh, if I saw her, I would give her the Michigan hello. But it would be, I would put my thumb out or whatever you need to do to make it different, to make it more stinging. Um, okay, here's a good question. If you're, uh, you're fishing somewhere, okay, and you're doing good, 
and someone comes up and they say, hey man, are you catching anything? Yeah. See? <laughs> Is that immoral? No. If I'm not mistaken, there's, this, there, there's a book called The Good Book. And, <laughs> and they get, I think they give you 10 rules. Yeah. They, they got it narrowed down to 10 things one month's dasn't do. And, and <laughs> when only 10, like of all the bad things you can do in the whole world, they come up with 10. And, they, and that manages to make the list. I changed the subject real fast. <laughs> you answer a question with a question. I'm like, my God, is that a nice sunset? Yeah. <laughs> what kind of shades are those? Nice hat. Every I, day is a good day of fishing. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I call it sandbagging. I don't like it. What do you do then, Yanni? You what don't say. You saying you do not lie. Oh, spread the love, man. I mean, come on. Catching a bunch of fish. Well, yeah, it just happened to me once where um, we killed a cow elk, and she was, I don't know, a couple, three miles back from the road. We'd packed out half, and as we were getting ready, going for the second half. Um, I remember this part of it, too, was my buddy Dan was like, man, should we have those beers now? <laughs> I was like, no, bro. <laughs> like, we definitely need to go and get the second load, and then we'll have that beer because it's going to be Let's terrible. Let's have now because we might be too tired later to drink them. Yeah, right? And uh, this fellow pulls up in an AT on an ATV with his, I think it was his nephew on the back or whatever, and he starts asking us about uh, the, uh, how the hunt went, where we, got, where we got the cow and whatnot, and... Uh, Dan wanted to just, just be like telling him that it was farther than it was or, or, or and just kind of not give any details about it. And I'm like, why, why lie about it, man? Like I was, you know, because what I didn't like about it either is the guy on the ATV saying like, oh, well, he actually was like, oh, well, good thing. It's two, two, three miles back. I don't want to put this poor kid through something like that. I want him to like elk hunting, you know? So we're looking for one that we can just pop off the ATV. I'm thinking like, ah, what's wrong with the world, you know? No, like I wanted to just bring the kid along and have him truck up there and maybe run into another one, you know? So anywho, yeah, I don't know. It was just like from that moment on, I've always just been like pretty freewheeling with my hunting and fishing information in the woods. I uh. I might have mentioned this before. We were spring bear hunting one time, and, and there was an avalanche chute that you could see from the road, and we killed a bear on the avalanche chute and skinned it and everything. And then later I'm standing there with this dude that my brother used to hang out with, and a guy comes up and says, hey, you guys seen anything? And he says, no. And that made me feel bad. But then the guy looks at his pants, which he's, like, got blood from the <laughs> knee down. <laughs> on his pants, and he says, well, it looks like someone got something. And he looks him straight in the face and goes, that's just some old rabbit blood. <laughs> and I remember being like, this has gone too far. Yes. I, I, uh, on the fishing thing, I say things like, yeah, it's okay, or yeah, we're doing, having a, you know, decent, getting a few. But I can't be like, no. My boy, we're fishing perch, and the guy comes up and yells us how we're doing and asks if we're getting any, and my boy said, a boatload. <laughs> then you got to be like, you know, he's prone to hyperbole. <laughs> I stopped a couple on the road this year during mule deer season in Idaho, and, uh, you know, truck's coming this way. I'm driving down this way, and I had just stopped and looked at a, you know, a little 
three by three mule deer buck on the side of the road, like 150 yards from the road, and uh, kind of waved him down. It's the last day of the season. It's a couple, husband, wife, I assume. And uh, I'm like, hey, all you guys out looking for mule deer? And the guy's like stone face. And the lady's kind of like, and I'm like, well, there's a buck, you know, right over here if, if you guys still have a tag. And, and he's just like staring, like sizing me up. And she's like, yeah, where is it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, we'll just like park in that unimproved campsite over there and then just look up and the deer's right on the, on the hillside and you'll have to cross the creek, but the deer's right there. And he was just having none of it. He was like, and she's kind nope. of wanting to get this whole thing over with. Yeah, and she's like, great. Deer off the side of the road. Here we go. Do, do you yeah. think he didn't believe you? I, yeah, I truly think he was like, nope. Like, something, something's not right here. Yeah, dude's just messing with me. Yeah, like, or, like we're going to miss something because we're tracking down the... But I try to pay it forward, I guess, is what I'm saying. It was the mustache cow. He saw that mustache, he's like, mm-mm. Yeah, that guy's up to no good. He's no. like, I need to, I, I need to, before I go up there, I'm going to need to see this boy's nipple. <laughs> <laughs> ben, you don't fish much. What, what, do you, what do you do? What do I do? If you're catching a bunch of, if you were catching a bunch of If fish, I was con- conceptually as a hipster, um, <laughs> take a long pull of my vape pen. <laughs> Tuck it into your, your leather-trimmed apron. Tuck it, tighten my ass your laborer's, down. Your laborer's apron. <laughs> Zip up my vest. And then uh, I would say no. <laughs> but like, what, like when, when people say no, is your, is your idea that it's such a finite amount of available things there that you, like, and you, you're doing, you're already doing good. You're doing it good enough that you have something to lie about. And your thing is like, I'm doing good. I don't know who this person is. There's such a finite amount of the resource that I would just rather that they didn't do good so I could continue to do a little bit good. I'll be clear, I mean, I'm playing on. devil's advocate here, but yeah, I, mean, I, I would be thinking to other things that I did that were nice. I'd be like, oh, I remember that time I helped that lady cross the street. Therefore, no. Therefore, no. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm a good person, I'm just choosing to be selfish right now. All right. Or you size them up, and you're like, have you earned this? And you give them a good once-over, and you're like, nope. <laughs> what if it's uh, little children in, in bonnets, like old-fashioned prairie children. I'd be like, with, what are you wearing that rickets. for? <laughs> take yeah. that off. I would look at them and be like, you folks are going to take every fish out of here, put it yeah. on a mile-long stringer, take a picture next to it, and then sell them to market. Yeah, you're weird. That is not what I want. Alright, moving on. Um, guy wanted to know, uh, if you had, remember we did a thing not long ago, this is the problem, not long ago we had fielded a question that was if you could be one animal, what would you be? Mm. And I picked a flying squirrel because I liked how soft their bellies are. <laughs> so you would just be like rubbing your belly all the time? I would just lay there and rub my tummy. The problem is then a question comes in like this, which screws at me because I'm stuck in a situation where I would be tempted to have the same answer for two questions. Where he says, if you had to pick one fur to make all of your underwear... <laughs> What fur would it be? Now, had that question come in first, I would have said flying squirrel. But now it's going to look like I have a flying squirrel fetish. <laughs> so, What's wrong with that? So I'm stuck with saying there's a term, there's a fur term, which could be read two ways. 
Can't wait. I'm not for gonna tell you what the. Uh, I'm not gonna tell you the other way to read it. There's a fur term called sheared beaver. What this is, what this is, what it is, what it is is. Do tell. What it is is this. A beaver. A beaver. Aquatic mammal. An aquatic rodent. Big tail. Largest. Uh, largest rodent that we enjoy the presence of here in the U.S. Builds dams. Builds dams. You pluck. There, there's, there's plucked beaver and sheared beaver. You can pluck the guard hairs. You pluck the guard hairs from the pelt. So like a nice prime pelt, muskrat, whatever, will have. A lot of them will have fine, like a, like a, a fine underwool. And they'll have a guard hair, which is a glossy and long and nice. And they pluck all those guard hairs off there and then shear it down, and it makes a real, I don't have underwear made out of it, but man. You like the feeling of that sheared beaver against your skin. I, <laughs> I wanted to. What? I have, threatened at, I have threatened at times to get my wife, I wanted to make, for ice fishing and stuff, I wanted to make my wife a, like a, a, a bra lined with it, which you can get, and there are people that make it. Like, I'm not making this up. I'm not throwing this out there. It's like a thing that can be done. So that's my answer. Yanni, <laughs> Yanni is going with porcupines. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I was thinking uh, sheep, man. Because, I mean, how could we end be. up with a, pretty much a pair of merino boxer shorts? Oh, no, they don't mean processed. You'd have oh, to it's have just gotta sheep be, just hide. Gotta, just sheep hide? Yeah, one skin. For underwear. Yeah, and then I just probably run a flap in the front, flap in the back, and really not be wearing any underwear. <laughs> Looking for the perfect gift to celebrate the moms in your life? Aura frames are beautiful Wi Fi connected digital picture frames that allow you to share and display unlimited photos. These things are super cool as a gift, especially if you got mom, aunt, grandma, whoever, and you want to like keep them up to speed on what the family's up to. Okay. It's easy to upload and share photos via the Aura app. And if you're giving an Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. Named the best digital picture frame by Wirecutter and selected as one of Oprah's favorite things, Aura frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. You can share photos to the frame instantly from anywhere, meaning you share videos, photos from any device, and they will instantly appear on the frame wherever it is in the world. There's no memory card required. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com. Use code MEATEATER at checkout to save terms and conditions apply i want to tell you about an american-made success story and black buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches black buffalo was built by dippers with decades of smokeless tobacco use black buffalo is all about the history and tradition of dip but they understand the convenience and discretion modern day consumers are looking for black buffalo's nicotine pouches give you the versatility to consume discreetly but keep the ritual with flavors dippers love mint straight and wintergreen all proudly made right here in the usa tell them chili the reason i like black buffalo pouches is one they're very discreet and what i mean by that is i can throw one in and almost forget it's there and i prefer the mint pouches so if you're 21 or older 
consume nicotine or tobacco and want to join the Black Buffalo herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online. They ship directly to most states or check out their store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. Hey everybody, I'm talking here about Montana Knife Company from our very own state of Montana. This company was founded by one of the most experienced master bladesmiths in the world, Josh Smith, who over recent months... I've become friends with, and my God, have I learned a lot about knives from this guy. Just a phenomenal hometown company that makes world-renowned knives. Josh has been making knives for 30 years. You get one of these knives up and open it, it is sharp like something that came from outer space. And here's the deal. They make knives that can be sharpened. You can work on these knives. If you don't want to work on them, you send it to them and they'll work on it. They'll get it sharp phenomenal hunting knives if you want to see them in action we just did uh me and uh john hayes the taxidermist just did a video about how to properly skin a black bear um watch that video and in that video you'll see montana knife company knives in action mkc products usually sell out in minutes of being released which is true but now for the first time They're dabbling with having knives in stock on their site. So right now you can grab yourself a Blackfoot 2.0 or the Ultralight Speed Goat. Use code MEATEATER and you get 10% off your first order. Montana Knife Company. Working knives for working people. 10% off with the code MEATEATER. That's a good deal. Cal, anything? I think you got to go seal or muskox. Muskox? Go on. Yeah, I mean, like, if we're going to talk cold, let's get cold, you know? Oh, no, was this only for cold? He doesn't say temp. I'm assuming he doesn't mean hot weather. What if you live down here in Uh, Lano, Texas? Moles. Yeah. Moles. Lano. Lano. We can't get it right. Jeez, no. We're 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 uh, headed there, turkey hunt. We've been calling it. I was calling it in my head, even though everybody kept telling me how it was said. I was like, you people. Yano. Don't know what you're talking about. It's Yano, but I've been told by 10 guys that you think fact... Giannis would remember Yano pretty easily. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start calling you Yano. Cal, any idea? It's a frivolous question. You don't need to have oh, an answer. For, for hot weather? Um, like, I don't know, like one of those like marsupial rats that they have down here. Probably <laughs> marsupial. Do yeah, that's a good idea, man. Yeah. The, the skinny, the, the, the rat with no hide on, no hair on them. Yeah. Hairless mole rat. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> What's the construction of these underwear? Am I feeling the fur on my other regions? Back to or am the guy. I I'll honestly yeah. have to get back to the guy. The same way that uh, we, uh, we were accused of dissing on Texas, the guy accused of us dissing on, on tarps, T-A-R-P-S, tarps. Hmm. I, I have tremendous love for the tarp. He's fixing to go on a, on a you know, backcountry hunt and was wondering, like, why is it not okay Did to— Did he say how we dissed on him? No. That we ignore them. We I didn't know there was like big time tarp advocates out the there. The tarp, tarp sensitive people. I shouldn't say dis not, but he's like, why do you guys not talk about or address? Um, I've read everything, listened to everything. I'm going on a hunt. Why can't I just have a tarp? You can't. They were great until 
They were tarps. This is going to annoy some people. <laughs> tarps make great tents up until the moment that you need a tent. <laughs> a lot of times sleeping under a tarp and you're like, man, this is great. You would have been just as good with no tarp. It's true. A little drizzle and then you're like, you think you're, you know, little drizzle's fine. I've slept under tarps. We pitch them, we string them, sleep under them, but they do have their limits. My last night under a tarp uh, of 2018 was uh, Thanksgiving Eve in Montana and uh, had a sweet setup. It's on this real steep ridge and uh, there's some deadfall. Got my tarp strung out. It was going real light. I actually had took that tarp from you um, and uh, got a fire going in the mouth of it. And um, yeah, had the, the wind kind of like sucked all the smoke through the top of that tarp. Had a real nice heating effect for a good couple hours. It was sweet. Good. It was great. Woke up and there was a bull 350 yards away. Did you take a poke at it? No, I was up there packing out a bull. Oh, okay. Yeah, but there there was a bigger bull right next to me, which was cool. So he was drawn to the tarp. <laughs> I don't I don't know. What pitch did you use for your tarp? Um, it would be like uh, like diamond formation. Right, so you nice. take opposite corners. One corner down. Yeah. One corner up on the tree. That's, That's a good pitch. Yeah. yeah. I like tarp so much. Yeah, I'm into like my tarp craft. Yeah. You mean it's you go fun. Explain, explain the diamond pitch. Yeah, the diamond this is the least it, interesting thing that cor- ever happened. Corner on the ground, corner up this- on the tree. And you stake that out, and then you bring the other two corners sort of like this. And like bat it, wings. And, yeah, like bat wings, <laughs> and stake those in. So you just sort of have one open mouth facing the tree that you've got. This, And when you're camping by yourself, like this is a point of pride that you can look around to nobody and be like, yep, see that? <laughs> you could picture there being a guy in the audience who took his wife down here, and right now he's kind of like, it'll get better. <laughs> <laughs> what are they talking about? What, what I like to do is take, a, um, and my colleagues sometimes tease me about this, but I take bungee cords, homemade bungee cords, and every grommet or loop in my tarp, I rig an eight-inch loop of bungee because then I can speed set it when it's raining out where I can just grab any bush, any rock. That's the noise these bungees make. <laughs> onto stuff and speed pitch my tarp. Do you guys... Has anybody got more things to say about this? We like tarps. Love tarps. Do you guys get, a guy was wondering, this is such a strange question. Um, do you guys get pedicures ahead of hunts? I'm not even familiar with what exactly happens during a pedicure. Pedicure. I believe that it goes beyond um, getting your toenails clipped. My brother has extraordinarily thick, heavy toenails, he was telling me. And he thinks it's from eating so much meat that it's made his toenails thick. Ben, what's the problem? That is, I'm just laughing. You never had a pedicure? I think people are looking at me because now I got the hipster thing going. And I, 
I like that. That's why I'm laughing, because I feel the whole crowd is looking at what he's going to tell us what's up. <laughs> I, I so go on. Well, I, yeah, of course. Yeah, when I'm dancing around, you know, like with my hipster clothes. I don't want my, I don't want my feet to be ugly in case I'm wearing my strappy shoes. I mean, I, I do have a pair of hiking boots and a pair of ski boots that I make sure my toenails are trimmed back before every use to prevent any sort of real pain we, out there. That's, that's what I was going to point out, is if you're, like, in mountain hiking, I am fastidious about my toenails because if you're descending hills, in, especially in rigid boots... Yeah, you get a little slip. And there's, a, any, there's an imperceptible slip in your foot, and if your toe and then you take a thousand steps downhill, your toenails fall out. They turn blue and fall off, which is disconcerting. <laughs> so, not, not to mention, you know, they could be that. rubbing, you know, blisters and cuts and, you know, the shorter toenail going into the toe next to it. Yeah. I've seen, so, you, yeah. I've seen you both, you guys, hike around extra toughs, like long distances. That doesn't hurt that, the toenail situation? You got to train up for it. Yeah. Ooh. Cal wears extra toughs in the airport. And then takes yeah, them off. Yeah, I got off. to Austin, and let me tell you, this is not the country for extra tough rubber boots. I uh, made a very uh, unsightly unpacking of my bag until I got down to my flip-flops and then shucked my boots and my socks there in the Austin airport and got into my flops and felt a wave of relief. And everyone else felt another wave. It was, it was getting a little soupy. <laughs> yes. Whole nother wave. That, that kind of like half reminds oh, go ahead, Giannis. That, that reminded me of something I wanted to talk about. I was just going to say, I've always wanted one. And a pedicure? Oh, yeah. Why? I mean, you get him a foot massage while you're getting it. Am I right? Well, you get a foot massage. massage. Yes. Huh? Why don't they call it a massage? You can probably just go get that too. I mean, there's other things that they do. But we've, we've <laughs> tackled this question before, or somehow it's come up where like, it's been thought of like a good idea to prep your feet for a big mountain hunt, being yeah. in boots and hiking would be a good idea to get a pedicure. So I'm going to try this. I'm going to try it next time. Yeah, but if when you want to get, get a... into the details of it, I'll get into the details of it. Not only do I very carefully trim my toenails, but I have a recurring problem where every two months or so, I need to carve out my ingrowns. And I've learned to do this myself after paying some hoser to do it. I get a fat-backed straight razor. Wait, wait, wait. You paid a hoser to do it? A doctor. Oh, a doctor. Okay. So... Yeah, I, like, you know, paid, I remember paying like 600 bucks, $600 to a guy to do what I now can do in seconds. I take a fat back razor, and I get a bunch of rubbing alcohol, and I, and I sanitize my leather man, and I sanitize a pair of needle nose pliers, <laughs> and I cut them out, and I've done it so much they don't even bleed anymore. And I do that a week or two ahead of like a mountain hunting season. I do that a week or two ahead so that it has time to heal, well, that's a lot of toe care. If, <laughs> if you added up the, the mental energy that, I've put it, that I put into my toes, I can hardly look down on a guy for getting a pedicure. And I don't think he's going to regret it. He's not going to be like, oh, I would have killed that bull had I not had a pedicure. Yeah, it takes me like a week, though, to break my feet in to like real hiking shape every year. It doesn't matter what I've been doing. Yeah. But it takes me like the first week of archery season to like get back into boot shape, just get my feet toughened back up. And I would be like, it would be mentally straining on me to think, oh my God, I just got a pedicure and now my feet are all soft. 
<laughs> when is this going to come back to haunt me? Yeah, or you might smell like the kind of guy there to get a pedicure. Probably not running that risk. Yeah, bears are like, now that guy. <laughs> Him I can take. Yeah, you good? Yeah, man, I'm just imagining myself kick back. <laughs> <laughs> Another guy wants to know this. Uh, this is a weird one. Not terribly weird. One guy had a question I'm not even going to honor. I'm not even going to say it. But this guy's question was this. Um, him and his buddy have an ongoing argument that, that he feels, his buddy feels like you should brush your teeth during hunting season. This guy feels you should not brush your teeth during hunting season. The whole season? He feels that, he feels that the toothpaste smell is unnatural. I mean, come on. I feel like we're getting to like some living under the bridge situation here where it's like, we got tarps, our feet smell, we don't brush our teeth. We haven't brushed. Like what? We don't need to get into that one, right? I'm cool. You cool? Yeah. Okay, this is a broad question. How do you find hunting spots? But let's not let's not do that. Let's do it by let's do it by anecdote. Uh, talk about a great in, in a way that would be helpful to listeners. You could select a hunting spot or two that you got that you feel demonstrates an effective approach or something that one ought to keep in mind. I will because access you. is a big issue for people. Oh, Places, access is huge. The, the number one. When people cite reasons, I think it's state by state, but generally, when people cite reasons that they quit hunting or want to but don't, it's access. Place to go. I, I will tell you that I have had seasons where I'm like, here's my A spot, B spot, C spot, and hit my spots and had success, and then... The very next season, I'm like, okay, I'm only going to spots that I've never been to before, which means I can't repeat either. That's right? good. And I've had the same level of success. Forcing uh, yourself to go explore. Yep, exactly. Like, I'm getting in a rut. Um, need to go check out some new country. And I think that's what it is, is just, you know, being comfortable with the fact that you may not get something. But the reality is, like, my best spots, I'm still running that same risk. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, I have a very good chance of not getting something. I like the rule. To make a rule, like, this year I cannot go to the same place. It's so much fun, too. So much fun. I have to go somewhere new. Yeah. Then you're like, holy shit, there's game everywhere. It's a very Western idea, though. When you live in Texas, you like, there's not, you can't, well, I'll just pick another spot. Like, there's not, there isn't public land to go and pick. Unless you got a lot of access here, unless you got a bunch of rancher buddies, it's just not a reality to be have A, B, and C. Tell you your know. spouse, um, I made a vow not to hunt the same place. That's why I bought another property. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> I've leased the fourth property to keep myself on my toes. So when a man makes a vow. <laughs> I, I, briefly, I mean, the thing that, that I did when I lived in Illinois, and again, before I lived in Texas, I lived there, and it's similar. There is no... The public land that is there is either overrun or you have to draw a spot and you can sit in a certain duck pit or a certain blind, and it's just not the way that I like to hunt. 
Well, you're going to love my story because my story is not a, my story is a private land story. Okay, we'll get there. No, just give me a preview. <laughs> um, just trying to titillate you. Oh, thank you. Uh, I've, I met a guide. We were, I don't know, I was at a trade show or something and met a guide. He's like, oh, I'm up in Pike County, Illinois. I said, I'd love to come up and just check out your operation and learn about how you manage deer and, you know, as a writer, maybe write an article. I went up there. We struck up a relationship. We got to drinking beer. He was a big, uh, I remember him being a big Shania Twain fan. So I was forced to sit and drink wine with him and listen to Shania Twain. Um, Drinking wine, listening to Shania Twain. I know, it's playing right into the narrative. And you said forced, right? I'm I'm open. I'm wide open. We're in the trust tree. We're in the nest. Um, I befriended this feller over Shania Twain and wine. And I said, hey, man, I'd love to come hunt. He was complaining that all his clients wanted to go and hunt his other properties that weren't around his house but the best hunting and the biggest deer were literally right off his back porch in kind of his back 40 area. So we struck up a deal where I would help him guide whitetails, which is getting up early, driving a dude to a tree stand, making sure he didn't fall out, and then driving back. And then I would go and hunt his back 40, where no one, none of his clients wanted to hunt, just for, the, you know, just for the work of driving dudes back and forth to their tree stand, because he needed an extra guy. So I think in this state, in Texas, you definitely have to understand that give and take with a landowner or a guide or an outfitter or whoever it is to get that access that you want. It's less of a, you know, you don't, there's not so much open ground, so you have to kind of pick and choose. Doug Dern, on his place in Wisconsin, he started a thing where he, I don't want to say he formalized it, but he started a thing where people that, I don't want to get Doug in legal trouble because I can't think, eh, he'd probably be aware of this. Doug has this thing where people that want to hunt on Doug's place, there's just like an understanding that they help him with some stuff. Yeah. And he's trying, he's got a riparian area. He's trying to replant it, reseed it in native vegetation. And that's like folks to hunt the farm happen to like to help me reseed native vegetation (laughs) along the creek. And it's a very rewarding experience for all, he says. I told the story before. My favorite permission thing was I had a uh, farm that I very gradually got a like February squirrel hunting permission to do a single squirrel hunt. So it wasn't like come and go as you please, but it was like, well, I suppose this February, if you want to come out for a day, you know, on and on. And we go and get some squirrels. Me and my buddy, I think we got a half dozen squirrels on this guy's place. And I started texting him photos of all the stuff we were making with the squirrels. He then comes back with, I don't care what you guys want to hunt, have at it. Deer, turkey, whatever. He just was like a pragmatic man, being a guy in ag. Pragmatic man, like to see, you know, the, the fruits of the earth respected. Saw that and... For whatever reason, it clicked with him. Not for whatever reason. It just like spoke to his sensibilities. Waste not, want not. Oh, and, and you guys demonstrated that you appreciated, you know, the fruits of the, of the land, so to speak. And it was his land, right? So. Yeah. Or he's like, man, these guys are a couple wag jobs. <laughs> Those like, boys are starving. I'd like to talk to these guys some more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's just a simple vetting process, really, on his end. Yeah. But we've done well getting permission in Texas. Day yeah. of. I don't want to say where. No, we can't. Did we talk about it? 
Mike, nasty. No, all these thoughts already went through my head. You already thought about not talking about his approach? <laughs> well, I, I don't think his approach matters so much. It's just that, like, we had good luck getting for I mean, not only did we get hunting permissions, but uh, guys were signing uh, location releases, which means that, you know, they're saying that you, we can film on their property. Yeah. Like, the day we met them, you know, within five minutes of meeting them, shaking hands. I feel comfortable saying this. There is a guy we know, not from this state, who goes to a school which is, which is regionally popular. And he does work at the school researching an animal that's regionally not popular. And he has great luck establishing his affiliation with the popular school and his animosity toward the not popular animal. <laughs> and enjoys, enjoys, I think he puts that about 90% success rate on permissions. That is very good. I'm putting, I've got was all that, these guesses. That, it might not be the same for white-tailed deer, you know. No. But yeah, no. for some birds that eat a lot of grain. But there, but there are different ways of getting around it. You got, how, anybody here have the Lone Star Tick deal where you become allergic to meat? Did you just raise your hand? <laughs> And that's the, so, so your uncle recently found out that he's got the thing one gets where one becomes allergic to meat from eating, from getting bit by a tick. Absolutely. I, I was stunned. I never heard of This guy, there's a crazy story a guy wrote him. Um, it's pretty long-winded, very interesting story that I'm going to have to distill down. His mom's a nurse. Buddy gets bit by a bunch of ticks. Eventually gets sick. Um... They're drinking beer. They're eating deer meat, drinking beer. And they think that he has somehow had like a beer and was suffering from alcohol poisoning. Like something happened where the beer, it turns out he'd established the meat allergy from the, the, associated with the Lone, the Lone Star Tick, right? Lone Star Tick virus. Um, not only that, cheese. And then he discovers in a way that lands him in the emergency room, gummy bears. Meat, cheese, Jeez. and gummy bears. My kids would be bummed. <laughs> it's a bad deal that it's called the Lone Star Tick because it's not just here in Texas. No, he wasn't in Texas. Yeah. I didn't tell how he wasn't in Texas because I wanted people here to feel included. Yeah. <laughs> he was in a neighboring state. What would you do? I mean, we've talked about it, but what would you do? Like, how would it affect your relationship to hunting? Oh, man. Hunting deer. It would be hard to continue to do it. It would, would be, be hard tough. to continue to do it. It would, I don't know how you would, I don't know how I would, I thought that to be like the, the biggest nightmare as a hunter. You go out hunting, you get bit by a tick, and you're allergic to the thing you were going after. It's almost like the deer sent the damn tick. Yeah. It'd be devastating. I would start fishing, I would find out. All the things you could do. Someone once told me that monkey meat, <laughs> that you can have the, the Lone Star Tick meat allergy and still eat monkey meat. I don't know if that, that can't be true. Oh. Let's go with no. But that's not going to, that, that wouldn't be the direction I went. I'll tell you, I came down. What direction you would be going? Monkey meat direction? No, I'm saying that would not be oh, okay. the direction I missed I would understood. go. Okay. I came down hunting with Ben last June here in Texas. Uh, where were we hunting? What what oh, part? I can't of? remember Sonora, out in Sonora. Out of Sonora, Sonora Axis yeah. deer. And uh, 
first tick I had was a Lone Star tick and then proceeded to have like 15 more of them throughout the week. Um, got home to Idaho at the time. Had a couple weeks later, had like bullseye tick bite. Yep. I can't tell you how relieved I was to find out I had Lyme's disease. <laughs> not, and not the meat at the tree. Yeah, and I was like, great, whatever. Yeah, as long as it's not the meat thing. Pure horror. As long as it's not the gummy no, bear I, thing. No, I, I, it would be so, so hard. Like, the, the food aspect is such a driving force behind, you know, seasons go on for a long time. It gets like, gets to be a lot, but by the time waterfowl season comes around, I've spent a ton of time in the woods. What gets me out is not the hunting. What gets me out is like, it would be really great to have some big fat mallard breasts in the freezer. And for that to be like, well, yeah, but you can't eat them. But now like, you could just, eat, because it's only red meat, right? I don't, know, I don't know how duck falls into it. Yeah, it's pretty rad. And it sounds like it's a little bit hit and miss, like this brother here having the cheese and gummy bear thing makes you think it's throwing a bit of a wild card at you. <laughs> yeah. Those ticks. <laughs> what do you think about the guy that rolled in saying that they had the buddy that was allergic to everything else about a deer but not the meat? And thus, when they went out, he got to pull the trigger, but then he couldn't touch the deer. I believe so it. So he couldn't gut it. He couldn't skin it. Guy, he couldn't pack it out. Seriously? You're allergic to hunting? That's what this guy, this guy was saying. My buddy always said that, and I thought he was a liar, and it turns out he's not lying. It only took four trips to figure it out. Swallowed up, hospital a couple times. It's like, Whoa. from deer fur. But you eat the meat, and you're fine. Why are you, why are you hunched up so much like that? <laughs> Look, if you keep doing that, you're going to sit like me when you get older, man. You got to sit up before it's too late. I'm going to sit up right now just looking at you. Jeez. All right, man. Uh, yeah, I did take note of that You're email a fine young man. No, oh. I met these kids. These kids are great kids. Um, real, they're, they're very poised, articulate, bright-eyed kids. I like those guys. Well done. Um, I, what were we talking about? Before I got the praise in those young. It's a good way, a good excuse not to have <laughs> well, do any work be, in the be, woods. Being allergic. Oh, the guy, the, yes, the me. guy was saying that, that like he can hunt, he, but he can't gut, drag, skin, nothing, and then he eats. Which sounds like uh, it sounds like an African safari. <laughs> he, it's like he probably developed that allergy shortly after his safari. Yes. Can I bring up, because it wasn't in your uh, notes earlier when we were talking about it, but can I bring up that email we just recently got about... Uh, you want to violate my notes? About fooling people to eat elk meat? Oh, no, we talked about this, though. No, but not the, not the, re- not the follow-up. Oh, go ahead. I, I, don't, I don't know where you're going with this, but I trust you. Well, this guy in their camp, the rule was when uh, it was an elk camp, when a bull got killed, that you better show up at camp with the heart and the testicles. And that was dinner. Okay. Well, there's this one guy in camp that was like, uh-uh, not participating in, in, in the uh, Rocky Mountain Oyster part of this, you know? And everybody else was in camp was like, come on, really? But he wouldn't do it. So I don't know if it was a few days later or maybe another hunt later, but anyways, there's a couple grouse get shot. They also have some testicles in camp, so they have a big... Grouse testicles? No, some bull <laughs> testicles in camp. So they, they have a big grouse feed. Okay. They also happened to fry up some 
bull testicles. Everybody else eats grouse. This guy eats the bull testicles. And at the end of the meal, he says to his hunting companions, we should just quit hunting elk altogether because these grouse are where it's at. (laughs) (laughs) Do you believe that that's true? Yes. You think that a guy, you think that there's a guy who's got the wherewithal in life to wind up in a situation where he's at least out in the woods with other people who would mistake a grouse. A chunk of grouse meat. A chunk of grouse for a chunk chunk of testicles. Of Rocky Mountain oyster. True Rocky Mountain oyster. No, this would be the reverse. You'd mistake the, the oyster for the grouse. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you had never had grouse meat, sure. Good. I like that story. Thanks for sharing. You're welcome. <laughs> but is it okay? I mean, that's where the, what would you it say all the came that, In that case, yeah, I only think this is what we talked about, tricking people, because I've tricked people into eating things they didn't want to eat. Yeah. I only think it's not, I only think it's okay. It's only justifiable if you're not putting someone in a situation where you're tricking them into violating a religious prohibition. Or you're tricking them into re- violating like an, like an ethics thing. Like you never serve someone. And they'd be like, ha, that's your, remember when your grandma died? You know, like, <laughs> it's like. Now we're serving people grandma? Yeah, so. What? But in, if you're just tricking someone because they're squeamish or being oh. annoying, I think that's totally fine. It would not be fine to trick someone into, into like I said, a, a religious you're just saying there's a, there's a wide difference between an elk testicle and a quail breast, is what you're telling me. No, or no, not no. a quail breast. What are we no, doing? No, no, no. A grouse breast. What, I'm, I'm talking about what we, what we discussed before. We discussed before where a guy was saying, I have a roommate that won't eat wild, that just won't eat wild game. So what we do is we feed the roommate wild game, but just don't tell him what it is because it's annoying. And so we just feed him it. And then eventually we're going to be like, you know what, dude, shut up because you've been eating deer meat every night. In your pasta. <laughs> I like that. Like, that's all deer meat, so let's not hear about the wild game thing anymore. He was like, is that okay or is that bad? And I pointed out at the time that I only think it's bad to trick people if you would be putting them in a situation where you're putting them in a thing where, they're, where you're violating, but you're, you're tricking them into violating some kind of sacrament. Or... It'd be like you have a person that's they're, they're committed, they're, they're a committed vegan, and they decide they don't want to contribute in any way to animal suffering, and then you give them a thing, and you're like, ha, I tricked you, right? I don't think that's cool. I don't think it's cool. But if someone's just annoying, <laughs> like they're just annoying and dumb or whatever, I think it's okay to trick them. If they're just I'm being squeamish. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah. It's you're, pro-nuance. You're a trickster. <laughs> it's pro-nuance. <laughs> That's anti-bullshit. Uh, I, I prefer the hard way. My preference is the hard way, right? Be like, Stephen, this is the meat. I know you think you do not like it, but this is what the story is. This is what I've done to it. Please try a bite. And I like, I like that approach because I want people to like, face it head on. And then there's no like, second guessing. Just turn the lights down, a little Shania Twain, some wine. <laughs> yeah. like, Woo! Feel like how to get access, boys. Yeah. yeah yes, sir. Be good. Yes. It'll be good. But I do, yeah, that there is a path of least resistance that can lead to a good result as well. Yeah, I've done some trickery. Yeah. We were convinced that someone during the, what do you, what do you give me the Latvian smirk for? 
<laughs> yeah, I'm just loving it. You guys you are like all tricksters. You oh. like to shenanigans. Oh, we liked his joke. He was yeah. really during the during the pre-show reception. We talked someone to get. We talked. We tried to talk someone into getting excited about squirrel meat. We also had a guy say, uh, "He says I I grew up so far out in the country, we had to drive toward town to go hunt." You know, when we were talking about the Lone Star Tick and and all these other things, or you know, diseases and whatnot. You can get, it's gotten a lot, for me, having kids, I become, like, I can see how some parents have kids and get weird about the risks, because things that I never, ever thought of, I now think of with kids around, and it's partly because I'm concerned for them, and it's partly I'm concerned for me, should something happen to them, how it would be received by my wife. (laughs) So, we're just squirrel hunting last weekend. And we got a squirrel that had, it had lost a lot of its hair down its sides. It was obviously rubbing because it was symmetrical and you could see. But your mind, like normally I wouldn't pay attention to it. And my kids, they run around and fondle, they're like hugging, you know what I mean? They run over and it's just like the squirrel's everywhere and it's around their neck. It's like half in their shirt. They like really get into, and I'm, and I become, you know, I get that psychosomatic where I'm itching. And I'm starting where I'm itching, and there's nothing there. And I'm realizing that I'm having, like, the, the, the things that you just are so worried about someone else getting something that it happens to you. And it's, it's not welcome to me. Like, I, I look at the world as being slightly more hazardous now that I have kids than when I don't. I never thought about getting the plague hunting squirrels. <laughs> so this wasn't a flying squirrel then because you'd have been no, rubbing fox its belly. Squirrels. But now I like walk around like hyper aware of all these things. Ticks, mice. Quick, quick side note, I missed that hunt, um, which I always go on. I'm real bummed I missed it, oh, but it was good. good reason that, or bad reason, but I had to miss it, some family obligations. But uh, Yeah, Yanni had a, a, his grandfather passed away. Yeah. But uh, with all squirrels, just fat as could be, just like, like Everyone almost like. We a, shot, I thought we killed a house cat. Yeah, <laughs> but like when you skin them, like I lard messed up, shot a house cat. It almost looks like lard on their haunches when you skin them. Yeah, greasy. And you know when those house cats start to rub, they lose a little bit of hair. <laughs> you know what? The coolest squirrel hunting thing that ever happened to me happened. Perhaps two two interesting squirrel things happened to me. This area we're hunting is cottonwoods, and there's a, an invasive plant called a Russian olive. And I think that the Russian olive, the invasive Russian olive. I believe makes areas habitable for squirrels that previously weren't habitable. For sure. I think that if you looked, if you mapped the westward expansion of fox squirrels in large riparian areas, it would, it would mirror, this is just a guess, it would mirror Russian olive invasion. Because they like the olives. Uh, I'm crawling through a bunch of Russian olives. Hadn't seen anything in a little bit. And we see one way off, way the hell off in the tree. And my kid, my eight-year-old, is a very, I don't mean to like that, toot my own horn here a little bit, but he's a very good squirrel spotter. He spots one way off, and we're crawling through a bunch of thick Russian olive, just, just getting ready to head over to the area with Brody. And I see, it almost, I thought I was hallucinating. Because I see, there's like the, the sun's real bright, kind of breaking through, and I see the perfect shadow of a squirrel a shadow, like a perfect shadow of a squirrel cross in front of me. 
And I think I'm hallucinating and dying or something, you know, like I've, I've entered the afterlife. And I look, and he's just right here going over and it cast his shadow to look like he was crossing the ground in front. The other very interesting thing I saw is we had two working up in a tree and one goes into a hole, turns around and comes out to defend his hole to not let his buddy in, (laughs) which leaves his buddy in a situation of being stuck in the tippy top of a cottonwood and torn between the vulnerability he's feeling with us lining up on him and fighting it out with the dude in the hole. (laughs) Like, if I was a better man, I would tell you that we didn't get that squirrel. But (laughs) we got him. And it's still, I, I still have a heavy heart. I have a heavy heart about what those two went up, went through up in that tree. But it really shows you where his squirrel's allegiance is. He's like, that squirrel is the dude who's fishing and he's doing good and says he's not. (laughs) Squirrel's like, he's like, bro, I got it good. Why would I care how you have it? (laughs) It's a nice hole. It was a weird deal. And um, we're just talking to, uh, I can't remember who, we're just talking to Meryl's compliment and your kids. It was you. Was saying that you were hunting with your kids and they saw a squirrel poking out of a hole. And them learning to, like, having the very uh, important realization is that there he is, and you could get him, but you can't get him. Because if you get him, he's going to fall back into the hole. And we had that problem with this one of trying to convince my eight-year-old who, he's got like a Kevin Murphy-esque uh, desire to not let any squirrels get away. And to, to, to convince him of the idea that we would leave that squirrel for fear of not retrieving it was tough. It was tough. He was ready to, we would get a chainsaw. There was some, there was some, there was, like, you know, we have three grown adults here. There's surely there's a way to get that tree. There was talk about, <laughs> these were talking about ladders. Like, we got ladders now. Yeah, we learned. Yeah, maybe like, uh, what's the whole system when you're climbing trees um, as an arborist, right? You throw the sandbag over and then you run the, the rope. From we the, did, we, yeah, I know what you're talking about. We didn't do that. You, didn't. Use, you can use archery, bow fishing arrows. Oh, yeah, you can set a line with a bow fishing arrow. That's a good idea. Yeah, you shoot the bow fishing line over, then pull a smaller, like, paracord over that, then use that to hoist up. Right, up. right, right. And then yeah. you just need a, it's a Jumar device, right, that you climb with? Is that what it's the called? senders? Yeah. We never use the senders. We use a suicide knot. Um, Same thing, though, right? You yeah, we're, we're kind of where we were with the tarps. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> when it, when it comes say, to the conversation between like, two people and 300 I'm, people, I'm, like, just, I'm, I'm real serious because I'm, I'm with Jimmy. I don't want to let all these squirrels go when they get in a hole, right? A ladder seems a little cumbersome, but if we were just packing like a, a, um, a harness and one length of rope. Yeah, but the, you got to do the equation of like how much squirrel meat are you going to get for how much time on one tree whereas you leave that tree there are many other that's trees that's when you've 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 crossed some line where the amount of squirrel meat is not as important as yeah. how many squirrels Cal, are left is, in the woods this is america this is texas we get the squirrel <laughs> okay <laughs> your ancestors you didn't move to texas out, to leave some squirrel, squirrel up in the tree <laughs> 
America. Did you know Rocket Money can cancel a subscription for you? They'll even alert you when there's been an increase in a subscription price and negotiate rates for you. I can see my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, Rocket Money can help me cancel it with just a few taps. You wouldn't believe how many people are paying for subscriptions they don't use. This happened to me. It's annoying. This helps you find it out and get rid of it. Well, Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions and monitors your spending and helps lower your bills so you can grow your savings. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash meat eater. That's rocketmoney.com slash meat eater. Rocketmoney.com slash me eater looking for the perfect gift to celebrate the moms in your life aura frames are beautiful wi-fi connected digital picture frames that allow you to share and display unlimited photos these things are super cool as a gift especially if you got mom aunt grandma whoever and you want to like keep them up to speed on what the family's up to okay it's easy to upload and share photos via the aura app and if you're giving an aura as a gift you can even personalize the frame with pre-loaded photos and memories. Named the best digital picture frame by Wirecutter and selected as one of Oprah's favorite things, Aura frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. You can share photos to the frame instantly from anywhere, meaning you share videos, photos from any device, and they will instantly appear on the frame wherever it is in the world. There's no memory card required right now. Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com. Use code MEATEATER at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. I want to tell you about an American-made success story and Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. Black Buffalo was built by dippers with decades of smokeless tobacco use. Black Buffalo is all about the history and tradition of dip, but they understand the convenience and discretion modern-day consumers are looking for. Black Buffalo's nicotine pouches give you the versatility to consume discreetly, but keep the ritual with flavors dippers love. Mint, straight, and wintergreen, all proudly made right here in the USA. Tell them, Chili. The reason I like black buffalo pouches is, one, they're very discreet. And what I mean by that is I can throw one in and almost forget it's there. And I prefer the mint pouches. So if you're 21 or older, consume nicotine or tobacco and want to join the black buffalo herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online. They ship directly to most states or check out their store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. Uh, yeah, I, I, I struggle over it because I know that even some of the tricks that, that Kevin Murphy talks about for, for Russell and the Squirrel out of a hole in a tree would be completely unacceptable for deer. If you met a guy and he's like, well, we, we're having a hard time finding deer, so we burned them out. 
Um, <laughs> it's like it doesn't go over well. Yet, people can write in to say to us, hey, you know what you do? Is you go to Mad Dave's Fireworks <laughs> and get a bunch of smoke bombs, and then you don't have any problem with squirrels and trees anymore because you smoke them out. So you, do, you, you just wind up with like a, a thing. Um, in muskrat trapping, when I was a muskrat trapper, uh, you know, you'd read muskrat articles, and most muskrat trapping articles would include the need to leave behind some seed, right? Like the first pull, like you, make, you set a water body, the first pull, you know, you get 60, 70% of your traps are going to have a muskrat. The next day, it's 40. And then, instead of like sticking around for the 10, you just get out and leave some there, and then you come back next year, and everything's great. So that's like a way to think about the ones that get in the holes. Is there, like, you know, when you dig a hole and put a seed in it, that nature made that hole and its seed is in the hole and then you have to leave it in there. I haven't tried this on my boy yet, but I'm going to try it on him. Hey, is a guy named Les Mayo here? No? He had, some, he had an interesting story that about That sounds like a fake name. I was going to say, you sure that dude works real? at a sandwich well, shop and came up with that? I would think so. But the level of detail. <laughs> what do you think? More mayo? Less, less mayo. Less mayo. Less mayo. Extra mustard also wrote Here's it. Here's why I don't think it's a fake name. Here's why I don't think it's a fake name. The level of detail he gets into about his situation in life and whatnot led me to believe it's L.E.S., Mayo Like Mayo Clinic. Yeah. Leads me to believe that it's, that, uh, that it's a person. Because it would have been an elaborate, no possible gain scenario to write in under. He wasn't like, um, by the way, send me $1,000. I'm a... Crown, I'm the crown prince of, right? He's just a guy throwing out an interesting thing. Uh, on the subject dip, he used to hang out with a ex-convict. And he was saying that convicts, like, if you got dip, they're concerned about sanitation. So this guy would carry plastic spoons in his pocket. And whenever he took a dip, he would take a spoon out, his clean spoon out, and spoon out a dip to put in his mouth. And he was always curious about this, but if someone else asks him for a dip, he gets another clean spoon out and you spoon out a dip and put it in. And that way, there's no cross-contamination. And in jail, you can sell dips to people without having people worry about where your hands have been. You like it, Oh, that? you're selling s- single dips. Single dips. You're selling spoonfuls of dip to people? Didn't do yeah. we? <laughs> also on the subject of dip, Ben Bailey... Writes us in a lot. A friend of ours writes us in a lot about the comments. He was reading a book, Distant Summers, which is there's this, there's this explorer, PJ Down, PG Downs, and he has a travelogue about being in northern Canada in the 1930s doing river trips. And he talks about the Chippewan Indians would make up names for white people based on visual attributes. So they'd like throw a nickname, like Lavin Eagle, whatever, right? They'd throw a nickname at people based on things. So there was, uh, Tatutna, which was this guy, the little fellow. There was one guy he hung out with that chewed tobacco. He was a dipper. And the Indians called him the man with two assholes. (laughs) 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 Which I like tremendously. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) On the subject of, on the subject, remember we were talking about someone in Texas? That wasn't over a line. No, 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 I just didn't get it. Can you explain it? You see now. Yeah. 
No. Um, that was, this was a special one for just the people that get it. Remember we were talking about, the, the, it's the, we were talking about a guy in Texas who had vowed to, and he was someone who was influential in popularizing food plots. Just ringing a bell? I can't remember his name. There's a gentleman who was very influential in, the, in conceiving of and popularizing and fine-tuning food plots. Uh, and his, his latest thing is he's getting into, he's trying to grow, um, he's trying to grow a new world record bass. But it's like, I don't know if you're familiar, in, in fur, farming, like you can't farm, maybe they can now. When I was from, more familiar with the fur market, um, it was just a known thing that you could not, in domestication, capture the quality. You, it, with domestic mink, farm-raised mink, you couldn't capture the quality of a wild mink. There's something about his lifestyle and diet and vigor that would produce a far more luxurious pelt. And no matter what you did to make the conditions right with ranch mink, you couldn't make a ranch mink. A ranch mink was like as good as a muskrat. Could never, a ranch mink couldn't aspire to a mink. And this thing with raisin bass is someone saying there's just something about large scale bodies of water that provide so many things that a bass needs throughout the year. And he's got like the smorgasbord and different places to go and ways to find the right temperature and optimize the situation that it's actually, because I was like bemoaning the state of the world that some guy would now produce a large mouth bass in like a cement, you know, swimming pool or something. And some ichthyologists are pointing out that it's actually a very difficult thing to do. It's like, it's hard to beat Mother Nature. Uh, it's not with bucks, but in fish, it's hard to beat Mother Nature. But this guy, uh, uh, one of my buddies, who's a big waterfowl hunter, he, he was writing about this reservoir in Saskatchewan. This is kind of screwed up. Lake, you might have heard of this, Cal, Diefenbacher. Yeah, oh yeah. You know this lake? I got offered a bartending job up there one time. Is that right? Yeah. Oddly enough, I had no idea you were going to bring that up. Can, after I talk about this, can you remember to talk about your fishing trip yesterday? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's at Lake Diefenbacher. And he's not at it, but what happened is... I believe it's Diefenbacher. Diefenbacher. Some group of folks has a genetically engineered triploid rainbow trout that they're commercially raising, okay? They're sterile, and they have them in growing pens. Somehow or another in a flooding event, 500,000 sterile, genetically modified organism rainbows get into the lake. They have three sets of chromosomes instead of two. Their growth rate is much higher than a non-altered wild rainbow. Um, since they never breed, they just focus in size. So this happens. Then a guy shatters the world record in 2007. In 2009, his twin brother crushes his world record by five pounds. So now the new world record, 48 pounds, is a GMO, sterile, farm pond escaped rainbow. Boom. Come on. Well, it's so weird because on the BC side, the old triploid rainbow thing is huge. Like those fish are in a bunch of different bodies of water. And so I guess the difference here is like these were reared specifically just to eat out of, you know, farmed, a farm facility runs the cement run situation. 
but then they got into the yep. big lake. I've seen the pictures. And I didn't fact check him on this, and I'm going to wring his neck if it's not accurate. No, well, the, I can all I can say without looking at the internet right now is when I was up there, world record rainbow had come out of the lake, and it's like the most slobbish, disgusting-looking trout you've ever seen. Um, but people were super fired up on it, and it's a cool... But, but, but at, at what point is it not a fish? He calls it a frankenfish. Yeah. At what, it's a huge lake, you know, so I think, like, the hunting of that fish in that lake, it, it's still going to take you some time to find, find those fish. But you agree there's a point at which it ceases to be a fish. If I made a robot that I, looked like a giant rainbow and it was 55 pounds, would you allow me in the world record? I mean, you're not even comparing apples to oranges here. That, no, that, like I mean, papayas. That's it's, it's like pomegranate and apples, oranges. Yeah. But you know what I'm saying? There's a, there's a point at which. Yes, I do. And, and you don't think that he's found it? Man, I... In hunting, rainbow in hunting, trout are like the most. In hunting, apart we have thing prevented the, the record books. Hunting has prevented the record books from being infiltrated by imposters. Yeah, yeah. Although they still try. Sure. Um, boy, I don't. I don't recall anybody ever actually actually caring about this. <laughs> <laughs> Um, let me. So you're saying the state of their stocks these fish too? I'm not. This is Saskatchewan in yeah. BC. Those triploid rainbows are all over the place. As just stalkers. Yep. As just like a sport fishing opportunity because they're. I mean they're huge and um, they're pretty selective. You know they're after like all the micey shrimp. So people use really elaborate bobber setups for them. But this is a big body of water and it's incredible waterfowl area when i had dogs that's where we'd go up and and hunt them for quite a while every year and if a farmer's duck got away (laughs) um man i yeah i i don't know i don't know the answer i don't know the answer but i feel like it needs to be poked and prodded at and thought about yes there should be an asterisk next to the world record really yeah, that just says, hey, this is... Should be like, hey, you know, heads up. Right. Before one get too excited. Well, like in New Zealand, you know, and uh, the... Oh, you know what? There is a... In Indiana, that kid killed the escapee farm deer. Like, somebody had a high fence operation. Yeah, I heard about As they kid. do, the, some deer got out. Kid's sitting in his tree stand on his Indiana farm. And shoots this like two hundred and some inch monster buck that was quite with an ear tag in it. I think <laughs> they didn't call that a state record. If if because it's a kid, I'd let him have the state record. I'd be like, yeah, that's cool, kid. I wouldn't want to ruin it for him, and he'd be the new state record holder. Yeah, but okay, that's completely hypocritical. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Completely. It's like this all the time because guys. you you have this thing and. You, Everybody here will see this firsthand where Steve believes that, uh, you know, our youth have an entire life in which they can aspire to anything they want, but our older folks in the room, you're going to die 
So we may as well help you out while we can. Yeah, help you enjoy it while we can, and then the younger folk will figure it out, and they have time to have someone. And this Lake Diffenbacher thing, these are just like good old boy Saskatchewan farmers that are out hunting these giant slobbish rainbows. Yeah. So why not give them the world record? Does anybody have a birthday tonight? You do? Tonight? Anybody anybody got a birthday tomorrow? The next day? We need four people who have birthdays in, in, in order. Uh, we'll get to that. <laughs> Your fishing trip. Can you do like a quick, because you, little, little, you did a little Texas. Oh, uh, yeah, there. real quick. Zip down to uh, Rockport. Incredibly awesome. I had a fantastic time. Uh, zipped out and fished uh, out of a state park there. Uh, Goose Island. Yeah, and... Um, Didn't catch anything. <laughs> no, we caught that was, fish. That was a joke about earlier. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> nothing to see. Uh, but had a... I mean, just had a great, great time. Did some uh, pulling around. Uh, you guys have hard bottom uh, fishing out here, so you can get out and wade. It's not like Louisiana, where it, if you tried to wade, you'd sink never, up to your chin. They'd never see you again. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, had a great time chasing redfish and, uh, got some pitched at some black drum and, uh, had some good shots at jacks and Casting stuff. at fish you're looking at. Well, trying to. Like, conditions weren't perfect for that. Too choppy or too muddy? Uh, just real intermittent sun. Oh, okay. And, and some windage there, too. So it was hard spotting fish. But. So you're hoping for, like, clear sun to make shadows on the bottom and whatnot. Yeah, just, yeah. But fantastic time and and really cool area and got to hang out with some local boys down there. And one of which is this dude, Bobby, who's 87 and drives like 70 wherever he goes. (laughs) And uh, he found out uh, that Ryan Thompson and I had nothing to do on Sunday. He's like, well, you sure you don't have anything to do? He's like, I'll come by. Just drive you around, show you some stuff. And so he swung in, picked us up, drove us all over for a couple hours, pointing out all sorts of local tidbits and facts and breaking the speed limit everywhere we went. um, Did amazingly well for 87. It was a great time. It's really weird you tell that story because it reminded me of a thing that happened where in Miles City, Montana, we used to live next to a guy named Wes Munsell, and he was 87. And one day my brother had to go somewhere and he was telling us about a bunch of horse mushrooms he saw out in a field and he just knew it was somewhere between Mile City and Baker which is a good stretch. Good stretch. And Wes liked this kind of mushroom. So we drove and someone must have picked, someone else must have saw him and picked him because we eventually make it all the way to Baker. On the way home and this is not a big road. On the way home Wes is driving 95 miles an hour. The car is floating over the hills. And I'm thinking about how old he is and how people at a certain point could just pass away at any moment. <laughs> and he gets to telling me the reason we're driving so fast is he's late. I'm going to bring this thing full circle. And this is a true story. He's late for a doctor's appointment. And then my mind's really wandering. Because <laughs> I'm like, well, what sort of health issue is Wes having that's so important that he gets home? in such a high rate of speed. 
and we're running late, and we go, and he's like, I'm not, he can't even drop me off. He's like, I'm going to pull into the doctor, and then you can just take my car back to your house and come pick me up at the end of, in a half hour or whatever. So I come back and pick him up, and this point I'm real curious, and I'm like all concerned for Wes's health. And I'm like, so Wes, what's going on? And he explains that since he, his wife passed away, he realized that he's too old to lean over and clip his own toenails and had a doctor's appointment to get his toenails cut. <laughs> and that is why me and Wes were driving 95 miles an hour <laughs> down a curvy road looking for mushrooms. Um, what was I getting at where I was talking about the guy that wasn't here? Oh, we, hand, we handled this thing. Here's another one we talked about a fair bit. I, I don't think people in Texas run flat brim hats. I haven't noticed that. No, there's some flat brimmers around. You get flat, brim, flat brimmers in Texas? Yeah. One guy oh, yeah. was saying that they were having the flat brim, curved brim, baseball hat debate just on merits, where one guy was saying he runs a flat brim, and he feels it's better because you have more room for your binoculars under there. Which has always been my point, and, oh, my, that's sun, your point. and my sunglasses. That's why you go slightly flat, to fit your binos. But the other guy pointed out, they're in a debate, and they wrote in about it. The other guy pointed out that with a curved brim, you can pull a Remy Warren where you conform your brim. This sounds complicated, but it's not. You make your, the curl of your hat brim kind of conform to the curve of your binos. And then you put your hat on and make sure it's on tight. And then when you hold your binos, you also hold your hat brim, and it's a stabilizer. And he can't imagine that anyone would ever look through binoculars without having his hands gripping his hat brim. You guys think about that? I like it. I used to think called a tripod. Yeah, it's still <laughs> a hot tail. I like the flat brim when I'm fishing because I have, you know, full coverage sunglasses. And then the flat brim, I feel like, gives me more coverage. Like it's more surface area. Casting a bigger shadow on your face. Yeah. And then, you know, I just pitch that thing on the dash and grab my regular old kicking around hat, town hat. You tuck your ears up in it? No. No. <laughs> but you leave I a sticker a, on, the, on the brim there? I have a tiny, tiny head. So if I get a hold yeah. of a hat, I have to like, I'm kind of stuck with that because apparently there's a great shortage of pea head size hats out there. <laughs> I'm usually wearing some kind of fedora or some ornate hat, you know. <laughs> So it's, it's, it's a moot point to me. <laughs> You're kind of up and up, up on all these things. Why do some people put their ears inside the hat? How am I up on does that? It, does it function? Is there a function? They got big ears. No. No? There's a functional reason it's to tuck like your ears. It's not like preventing skin cancer on the tops of your ears. <laughs> Maybe it's it a, is. That would be a good point, though. Yeah, I got no answer for that. Big ears, annoying when the wind flaps them around. You got to tuck them in there. That would be logical. You don't have. I actually hadn't thought of that. That might be what it is. You tuck your ear in there, and you don't have to lose the top of your ear to skin cancer. Guy wrote in from St. Louis, looking for advice, ethical advice. Um, he lives out in the country, and he just moved to a new neighborhood. And it's a there's a neighborhood pond, and the way it works is each person along the pond has one and a half acres. Joining up, right, you can picture what I'm talking about. Joining up to the pond. The pond is seven acres. 
he, he has a homeowners association. There's nothing in the HOA about firearms or hunting or nothing. You see where this is going? Oh, yeah. They've got, they've got geese and mallards using the lake. Legally, he realizes after doing his homework legally and whatever you call HOA law, he feels as though he's A-OK in the clear to, to go out and hunt. And he's wondering, he says, I feel it's better to ask for forgiveness rather than, yeah. rather than permission, but, quote, wanted your guy's opinion. I, yeah. I would Can I suggest, go first? Yes, please. <laughs> Where, <laughs> as he live in Texas, he's cutting the shit out of him. Every day. Oh, man, the more I think about it, though, I'm thinking there's other ways about it. My initial thought was there's only one way that he's going to get one good hunt out one of the good deal. One good hunt. And that's by just going for it first um, and, and, and getting after him. Because in, at the next HOA meeting, there's going to be some covenants written about <laughs> hunting in that pond, <laughs> right? So at least that way you get one good hunt in. Because if you go ask around... But it depends on who your neighbors are. Yeah, is he a board member? Maybe if you went, how many people are there? How many, tr- how many different one and a half acres? Just start like a bird there? watchers club. I bet someone who's really good at math could figure out how many neighbors there are if each neighbor owns one and a half acres and it's a seven acre pond. But you'd get into a lot of questions about the shape of these. Of the pond. Yeah, sure. But I doubt the properties are pie shaped. You might start off by just going to all your neighbors and handing them each a nice uh, goose pastrami breast all done up. Then when he eats, like, guess sealed. where that came from? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Work. And that, that's kind of the direction I was leaning. Like, you better get your game, get your house in order, right? So know when your next homeowners association meeting is, at which point these rules are definitely going to change. And you give yourself enough time to, like, cure up, smoke, cone fee, and, you know, get a good spread laid out for the meeting. Everybody, I brought some hors (laughs) d'oeuvres. And said, do go on. Yeah. And and by the way. After they eat it, you're like, guess what that was? My advice there's a lot, like I could do the, like long, a long version of advice, and my be the, he could start talking about he could spread pamphlets out that are like the re- enormous health risks associated with with, with goose droppings. Well, <laughs> propaganda. It's a public like, service. Get get hold of whoever like <laughs> generates fake news articles and have them write things like the the number one killer of American children is. Geese. Oh, it'd be so easy to target because <laughs> every HOA now has like their own Facebook group. So it'd be very easy to target the right people. But fake news. You, could, you could do that. But, but my, like, just to answer what he's asking, and I'm not just saying, I'm saying this as a homeowner. I'm saying this as a person who cares about um, the, the hunters and, and hunters' rights and, and our ongoing ability to, to have the lifestyle that we so much enjoy. I would say that it, I, I feel that he should um, he should do a little tour. Yeah, he should do a little tour around the lake. Do it for the kids and and kind of lay out what his plan, how he's sort of thinking this is going to go down, and what his plan is, and do the, the do the permission rather than forgiveness approach. Like about five thirty, I'm going to slip out there and set a bunch of decoys. 
about uh, 6.15, you're going to hear a... <laughs> and you'll know it's me. I won't bore you with what happens after that, but, <laughs> but you, know, you get the gist. Uh, final thing, quickly to talk about. Oh, we got to yeah, do our birthdays. What else we got to do? Quick thing to talk about, though, first, is um, Cal was just pointing out to me that on the same news day down here in Dallas, there was a story, not down here in Dallas, but down here in Texas, there's a story of, a, of all of a sudden a wallaby just happens to be walking down the road in Dallas. Unaccompanied, just by itself. An unaccompanied wallaby. The owner gets in no, in no trouble. Another guy in Dallas turns up uh, with a little collection of Asian swamp eels. Charges are pending. When I read this, just to return to what I was talking about at the top of the episode, when I read this, I realize, like, a thing I like about Texas and Texans is that, you know the, the, the E.O. Wilson term, um, biophilia? It's a term he popularized, which is this innate human desire to experience and be around other forms of life. And I feel for all the dogging on Texas that we were doing earlier, a thing I appreciate, whether it's tigers, wallabies, deer, turkeys, quail, but I feel that like the, the, there's some beautiful thing about the Texas mindset that just loves, and this can run good and bad, they love animals. They like to be around <laughs> wildlife and enjoy it and marvel at it and just experience it. And, I, uh, and, and for that, I do want, in, in all honesty, to congratulate and, and thank everyone here for so many kind letters that we get from Texas of people trying to understand this crazy thing, this crazy experiment that we have of wildlife in America. So thank you guys all for that. Yeah. Thank you very much. And with that, I want to say what all announcements we got. Big good night and thank you. We got our Steam Breathing Power Gobbler uh, live tour only t-shirts. You'll never see a guy, anybody you see wearing them is going to have to live show. What other kind of stuff? Pro Nuance. THC. Hmm? THC shirts. Cal's mustache shirts. We got uh, cookbooks, uh, Meteor Fishing Game cookbooks available uh, anywhere books are sold, including out front. Bandanas. Banda Yanni's uh, special how to gut a deer bandana. Couple of mugs. All of that. Check out Stars in the Sky. Thank you very much. We need the birthday, people. Who, who's got a birthday tonight? Okay, come up. Can we get the house one? lights up, please? Just one birthday tonight? Who's got Two? A one guy? Is that a birthday? Oh. Tonight? Tonight? Yesterday. I'm asking Today's for tonight. Tonight. Tonight? Come on up. If, if it's tonight, come on down. Is it tonight? It's going to be drinks. <laughs> Sixth Street. Who's got a birthday tomorrow? Oh, Sixth Street. Any birthdays tomorrow? What about April? The next day. April 13th. I got you. The next day. day. That can't be right. <laughs> Who's got yesterday? You got yesterday? Okay, come on up. That's good. Who else got yesterday? November. No. No. <laughs> no way. Who else got yesterday? 
How many we got now? One. We got That's three. Three. Day before yesterday. Wow, we usually get this taken care of in one day. <laughs> April what? Yeah, six will work. That'll work. Come on up. We're desperate <laughs> right. now. All right, guys. Thank you very much. Thank, thank you. you very much. Hey, if you follow wildlife news at all, you're probably aware that the island of Maui has an incredible abundance of Axis deer, so much so that they're causing ecological damage. Well, Maui Nui venison is thinning out some of those Axis deer herds and delivering venison sticks and fresh cuts to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I venison.com. Use promo code MEATEATER for 20% off your order. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without your essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. Man, I was just in Hawaii and I had my Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie with me. And here's the deal. We're in and out of the water all the time, getting into go spearfishing, getting out, taking the kids to the beach. I'm not going to mess around all day putting sunscreen on then having to get washed off. I just run a hoodie. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear.